going on everybody you are listening to the latest episode of reasonably outrageous with matt wyrick and blake pace i'm your co-host matt alongside blake in the middle of still we're in pretty much of a dead zone in terms of sports news um but we got nfl training camp coming up mlb trade deadline just nine days away as a time of recording it's not necessarily a great time to be a sports fan but we're close to it being a great time to be a sports fan blake pace how you doing man I'm good, and yeah, like you were saying, we've got, this is the last Sunday, or I guess this will be the last weekend that we don't have football until 2020, because the weekend after that starts the Hall of Fame game, and then we get into preseason. I know preseason football isn't, you know, the most fun to watch, but it's football, and it's back, so we'll finally have football again with us, and I'm so excited, uh, looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, you know, honestly, it's been kind of, I I mean, I've always been binge watching the Yankees when I can, but dude, I have been glued to MLB network whenever there's a game being televised just because there is nothing else. Um, you know, I, I really didn't watch much of the open over the weekend. Um, can't say that I did. And then, yeah, it's kind of one of those dead periods, but like you said, we are grinding up towards the MLB trade deadline. We've got what, uh, we've got, just about a week and a couple days until that's all settled. Uh, so we'll we'll see where the moves are going this week. A lot of big names, but yeah, exciting exciting uh, times coming in the next few weeks. So we got to just push through this kind of dead spot for this week and next week, and then we'll, we should be smooth sailing until uh, football season. Yeah, can't say I watched a minute of golf either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I did. I watched the Wimbledon final. Right, that was my off off brand sports. Uh, commitment i guess um golf look i i like watching the highlights but i've never been able to sit through uh, an entire open uh never mind watch it for a full week and i'll follow one on twitter i get the updates on my phone and you know when you know something like tiger uh about to win the masters i'll tune in for that but you know this uh i had a lot going on this weekend spent a lot of it on the road going back and forth between dc and harrisonburg uh, cleaning out my house. I'm moving out uh, next weekend. There you so, go. Big time. Uh, exciting times here for Sir Wyrick. But there's also, uh, depending on how you look at it, uh, exciting news, I guess, in the NFL. Uh, segue into our first topic here. Tyreek Hill, it was announced last week, uh, last weekend, I think it was on Friday, uh, that Tyreek Hill would not be suspended by the NFL uh, for the alleged domestic violence incident uh, that occurred, I don't know, I know the, the recording came out back in April, uh, I'm not sure exactly when the incident uh, in question occurred, but his son had some bruises, apparently blamed his father, but he denied it profusely, came out on Twitter, said so, and now the league, after conducting eight and a half hours of interviews with him uh, a couple of weeks ago, has decided not to suspend him, that there was no firm evidence uh, that concluded he was the perpetrator in this incident. He has maintained hard fast that he did not do it. Uh, and he will be with the team for training camp and on the field for week one. Blake, what's your reaction here? 
Yeah, it's such a touchy situation, and I think the biggest thing that it points to is with Roger Goodell, just his inconsistent use of his powers. Um, and, you know, I'm not going out to say that Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, should be kicked out of the league, or, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not big in there, so I can't say that I know everything that's going on with this situation. I guess if you're, you know, looking from Roger Goodell's viewpoint, um, it's a star-driven league. And what was the biggest star of this past season? It was Patrick Mahomes. And the biggest uh, you know, beneficiary of his talent was Tyreek Hill having a breakthrough season where I even heard people telling, you know, people in the media saying Tyreek Hill is the best receiver in football. Um, you know, he's considerably up there in talent in maybe that top five to six range, wherever you want to put it. Um, but the thing is, is that it's a star-driven league. And for Roger Goodell's viewpoint, he could have a star... Um, you know, on the field because there was no real, uh, you know, criminal act or criminal punishment in in you know the actual courts. And I'm sounding really stupid when I try and explain this because I'm no I'm no lawyer or uh, you know smart person. I, I just talk I just talk football. Um, but you know, my thing is the problem is is that Goodell wants stars on the field, of course, and you know you talk about the impact that it would have on the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes without him on the team. But then the problem that I have is that, it, you know, he's shown before that he doesn't really care too much about certain things when it comes to star players. You talk about the Tom Brady's four-game suspension. You talk about Zeke and his suspension. It's just inconsistent use of his power, and I don't think he just understands it. And, you know, it's such a big year for the NFL. They're celebrating 100 years. It's, the you know, the 100th NFL season, and we're spending you know, this preseason part, and we've spent a, a, you know, it's probably been the biggest storyline of this offseason, or at least in the last few months, is this Tyreek Hill investigation, what the league is going to do, is Roger Goodell going to suspend him, is he going to be kicked out of the league, no punishment, we've been distracted by this very ugly story, and, and deep down, you know, the problem is, is just with Roger Goodell, I have a laundry list of problems with him, uh, you know, as the commissioner of the NFL, but I don't get to kick him out, apparently, uh, they don't let me do that from my couch. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's just something that we're going to have to deal with. He's going to, you know, Tyree Kill is not going to be punished uh, as of right now. Of course, this could develop if more evidence was to come out, if, you know, some things were to proceed a little in the legal system. Um, but the the biggest standpoint is, is that Roger Goodell, Goodell didn't want to take away from the biggest star in football, uh, but it shows, you know, just another path of his misuse of his powers. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you here on the consistency thing. And the big case for me that you have to point to is just last year, Ravens quarterback Jimmy Smith suspended four games for making threatening, threatening and emotionally abusive behaviors yeah. uh, toward, I believe it was his wife at the time. And Jimmy Smith, obviously not the kind of name that Tyreek Hill is, playing on the defensive side of the ball in a market like Baltimore. Not a whole lot of chances to get your name out there. Smith, pretty good in his own right, but probably not at the level that Tyreek Hill is at uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Now, the thing in here, though, even, you know, I understand, okay, if you don't find any conclusive ev evidence uh, that says Hill did commit this crime, that Hill was abusive toward his son. Fine. I, I totally understand that. I believe people are innocent until proven guilty. Uh, you know, that's an American yeah. value that uh, I'm perfectly happy with the NFL standing on top of. But at the same time, we have recording that's made public of him threatening 
what is his child's mother, uh, saying, you should be afraid of me too, bitch, uh, in response to her saying that her son was afraid of him. You know, at that point, you know, those comments right there, I believe, if you are going to suspend Jimmy Smith uh, for making these threatening and emu- emotionally abusive behaviors, which we don't know exactly what they were, uh, they that just kind of came out, uh, that was the quote, but we know exactly what Hill said, uh, and I can't imagine what Jimmy Smith did or said uh, to his wife to be any, you know, any worse than what this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty bad thing to say and especially the fact that it went public you know maybe if the if the quote was you know uh, something that was obtained through court files that uh nobody else in the public had but the nfl did i can see them trying to skirt by uh without suspending hill but the fact that that statement was made public and he's not getting any kind of consequences whatsoever that does kind of stick with me as something that we should be uh, a little bit upset about now he still can be suspended later if more facts emerge, and we saw that uh, actually broke today. Uh, Seahawks D lineman Jerron Reed was suspended six games for a 2017 assault-related incident. Uh, so you know that the NFL is showing right there it can, if it finds out more information, suspend you later on, years down the road, months, whatever it is, yeah. uh, for what you did. I, I'm okay with that. Like I said, it goes back to innocent until proven guilty. Um, but I think it's I think it's clear. You know, even if Hill didn't commit any crimes here, it just doesn't seem like he's a great guy uh, overall. You know, he it's not something, you know, that the NFL wants to condone in any way. And I think the fact that those statements were made public, it should have taken at least, you know, a two-game suspension uh, for that. I mean, there was... I'm not, you know, it goes to that innocent till proven guilty thing, but at the same time, those comments, they just stand out to me. There are a lot of young fans of the NFL, and I think the league needs to set a precedent that this kind of thing isn't okay. Uh, And, you know, moving forward, it it can't protect its stars, like you mentioned, uh, and not suspend Hill. It needs to set that precedent, and guys like Hill uh, getting suspended only tells people later on that this kind of thing isn't going to be tolerated in the league. Yeah, my, my biggest problem with Tyreek Hill specifically is he is a repeat offender. You know, December mm-hmm. 12, 2014, ESPN came out with this article that he was uh, dismissed from the Oklahoma State football team after he was arrested and accused of punching and choking his pregnant girlfriend. So we know that and this he is the has same a... woman. This is exactly. the same woman. Exactly. Um, so but also, ha- it is it is worth mentioning though that he did say that he only pled guilty uh, because it was what his lawyer said uh, was the best way to mm-hmm. keep him on the football field long term. So yeah. uh, you know, take that as you will. But he, right. there's a sworn court statement saying that you know he did this. He's going back on his word now. But that just that right there shows you you know this man isn't. Sticking by his word, you know, what what he's saying now, should we take that at face value? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. The problem is is, is we're just running into a problem where it's a guy that if, even if he did it or not, it has a sketchy background. You know, if, if you avoid trouble like this and maybe the first time it comes out in the NFL, maybe it's like, a, okay, well, we'll wait and see what actually happened. But the fact that there was trouble in college, trouble in the NFL – um, it, it just, it, it's a bad look for himself, it's a bad look for the league, and it's a bad look for Goodell, because, you know, my, my biggest problem here is that is that we have someone in charge of the NFL who is doling out suspensions for reasons that, you know, and it's different reasons, but, you know, I, we've talked about this before, marijuana use in the NFL, other things that, that athletes can get punished for, um, and, and then you've got a guy who, you know, like you said, there is 
evidence of, you know, voicemails of him, uh, you know, or recorded phone calls and, you know, his son has had bruises. Um, you know, we have physical evidence that this is something that I feel like is on a far more um, elevated level than a simple, you know, marijuana use in the league. And it's something that I just feel like isn't being treated the same. And, you know, you look at other guys. I mean, you know, even, you know, Giants kicker. Uh, oh, God, why can't I remember his name now? Aldrich. Um, is it Aldrich something? Aldrich Smith? Uh, no, I, it was before that, uh, Josh Brown, uh, he was, um, a former Giants, uh, kicker, he was suspended six games over a domestic violence case, um, you know, we've, we've seen him lay down the law before, and like you said, with Jerron Reed getting his six-game suspension, I just, the problem is, is that when it's a kicker, uh, like Josh Brown, may, yeah, let's throw him the punishment, Jerron Reed, not that well-known of a guy, um, you know, definitely an up-and-coming guy in the league, but, you know, you've got Tyree Kill, who is arguably one of the, if he's not, you know, a superstar in this league already, he's playing with the most popular guy in the league right now, and so, I don't know, it just shows, that, once again, that the NFL is really focused on making the owners happy, about putting money in their pockets, and it shows that if Tyree Kill was off the field, they thought that they would lose money uh, out of revenue or interest in the Chiefs, and that was something they didn't want to risk. Yeah, uh, you know, the Chiefs are obviously a team that a, a lot of people are paying attention to right now. They have the MVP from last season in Patrick Mahomes at the quarterback position, uh, and that puts a spotlight on them. Obviously, yeah. they played in the AFC Championship game and were an offsides penalty away from, uh, or was it, yeah, the penalty yeah. away mm -hmm. uh, from, from making it to the Super Bowl. This is obviously something that the league doesn't want to be a stain on this season. I get it. You know, they're in the 100th year, but... You know, some things are more important than football. And, you know, domestic violence has been a problem in the NFL for years now. Uh, and I'm sure there are so many more incidents that haven't been reported as well. Not to say that NFL players are any worse than average people. Domestic violence is a problem across the entire country. Yeah. And it needs to be addressed as a nationwide issue. But the people who have the spotlights, who are on the pedestal, are the ones who need to be stepping up and saying things to dissuade people from doing these kinds of things, to set a precedent that this isn't acceptable in the NFL being one of the most highly consumed entertainment businesses in the world uh, should be at the forefront of that. And that's just me. You know, I'm yeah. uh, take whatever stance you want uh, on, on how NFL players should speak out uh, about their values. But I think this is something that anybody in their right mind can get behind. Exactly. Well, I didn't want to be too much of a downer. Let's real quick before we move on uh, from Hill. Let's talk about the football impact here. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs' offense. I don't think anyone was really expecting the Chiefs to take a step back on the offensive side of the ball, even if Hill was suspended for a significant amount of time this year. I mean, given how good uh, the the offense functioned last year with Mahomes at quarterback, Damian Williams really stepped up. They draft Michael Hardman. Uh, to be one of those deep threat players. Um, a lot of people were expecting him to, to really step onto the field and make an impact right away. Where do you think uh, this lands the Chiefs in terms of offensive potential? I mean, do you think that they were in trouble without him? Um, you know, or is he just kind of an added, you know, cherry on top type of deal? Um, you know, I definitely think that there's a there would have been a significant impact without Tyree Kill because, you know, he's the fastest person in the NFL. And if you've got a quarterback like Mahomes... Uh, and, and that goes for any quarterback with a strong arm. I mean, Mahomes might have the strongest arm in the league, if not top two or three up there. You know, the likes of Cam and Josh Allen definitely have the, uh, you know, hardest thrown balls in, I think, the last 
decade or so. I believe that's the three. If I, There might be a name I'm forgetting. But when you've got a guy that can take off the top of the offense like that, um, not only does that provide a chance for some real deep shots, but it also opens up so much underneath when you have you know, if you have to dull, uh, double cover uh, Tyree Kill with a corner and a safety, then that opens up maybe the more shallow routes where you could fit some of your other receivers in there uh, for some for some short yardage gains, and it just it opens up so much. So yes, I do think that it would have had a pretty big impact without him. Um, now I do think Andy Reid is one of the more brilliant offensive-minded guys, and of course Pat Mahomes I think could get it done without him. Um, so I think they would still be able to win games. I think this keeps them right around the ability where they were last year to hopefully try and uh, win the AFC West. It's going to be tougher than it was last year, and they didn't even win it last year, of course. Um, wait, did they They ended up winning that, right? Or am I wrong? They won the AFC West over yeah, the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, I, I was yeah. Or over I mean, the Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let me, yeah. Um, let me just make sure I got that right. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, they had the tiebreaker okay. over them. So yeah, you know, it's you know, I think that if anything, the AFC West has gotten uh, more difficult this year. I would say the Broncos uh, made some upgrades. They, you know, hopefully they fix the quarterback situation. Their defense is going to be even better with Vic Vangio running it. I also think that the Raiders have to be better than last year. If they're not, that's just that's a really bad way to enter Las Vegas. Um, and the Chargers, to me, really filled up uh, you know, the, the middle of their defense uh, with some guys, and I think that was their biggest glaring hole was inside linebacker, defensive tackle. So the Chiefs are going to be right in that position uh, where they're hopefully able to contend again to win the AFC West. I still think they're a playoff team. Um, if I had to go with who was going to win that division right now, I'd probably say the Chargers just because I think that they're the more complete package. You talk about all the losses that the Chiefs had on defense. Chris Jones had talked about uh, sitting out, but it seems like he's going to show up uh, and participate with the Chiefs this uh, this training camp and preseason. Um, but I think it would have been a pretty decent impact if he wasn't there. Um, but now with them, now with Hill, you know, at least from what it looks like now, being able to suit back up for the full season, uh, I think they should be around that way to contend for the AFC West title, but also uh, definitely should be a playoff team. Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt uh, that the Chiefs are on the fast track to being in the AFC Championship game at, elite, at the least uh, this year, as long as you yeah. know, we still get the same Patrick Mahomes that we saw last year. You know, right. A lot of people are talking about what kind of re- regression we're going to see, and I think, I think there will be some regression. I mean, it's really hard to produce the kind of season that he put in last year and obviously he put it all together but you know he probably I, I think he caught the league a little bit off guard right away uh they've had now a full off season to review the tape on him now finding the holes in his game is a whole nother story if defenses really will be able to game plan for him you know power to you uh we'll see what happens but at the same time you know we'll see uh what happens but having Tyreek yeah. Hill in there is, is a bit of a safety valve, I think. You know, if, if worst comes to worst, you can chuck it up to him, and he's going to be beating mm-hmm. everybody downfield. Um, losing him is a significant impact, like you said, one of the best wide receivers in football. I think a fun debate uh, midway throughout last year that, that Blake and I had was who was a better wide receiver, Tyreek Hill or Michael Thomas. Uh, I seem to remember us over a few beers having that debate uh, yeah. at some point last year. Yeah, so, we drink, no big deal. I, I, no big deal, you know. We're, we're 21. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for this Chiefs team, man. I really like yeah. Damian Williams. I've got I've got him in two keeper fantasy leagues, nice. so I'm all in on him uh, for this year. I remember I got him the day 
Uh, Kareem Hunt was released. Uh, he was the third string running back at the time, but I thought, you know what, we'll see what happens. And sure enough, here we are. Um, right. But yeah, the, I, I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine offensively. Even if they didn't have him, I'd still say they have a high ceiling, but this only puts them at the top uh, for right. consideration as one of the best, uh, if not top two top three uh, offensive teams in the league. Obviously, losing Kareem Hunt last year was like, okay, that's a blow. One star, you're losing. You lose Tyreek Hill. I think that's significant in that you had two of your main contributors from last season uh, mm-hmm. off the team, um, or at least suspended for, for part of it. But uh, I'm now with, with yeah. Tyreek Hill, there's no question about it. Yeah, my biggest worry with the Chiefs isn't even the fact that they, you know, could have lost Tyree Kill or Mahomes would regress. I think he'll be, I mean, even if he regressed a little, he's still going to be an MVP finalist. My biggest problem with the Chiefs now, of course, is you look at the defense and all the guys they lost. I mean, they released Eric Berry. They traded away D Ford. They, uh, you know, they lost Justin Houston. They lost Steven Nelson. Even if you look on the offensive side of things, they lost Chris Conley and they also lost uh, their center, Mitch Morse. So, you know, it's a lot of losses that they have to make for on the defensive side. Of course, they did trade for, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on his name, Frank Clark. Honey Badger. Well, no, they, they yeah, Tyron so they got, they got Tyron Matthew and they got Frank Clark. So those are definitely two good um, guys to bring in on that defense. But with so much shuffling, uh, you know, we could definitely see them struggle to fit all the pieces together early on in the season. I guess it depends on how well they develop and gel as a unit as the season goes on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this this offense carried the team last year. The defense was really good on third down, too. Um, they were the best, probably the best team on third down uh, defense. But, I mean, they should still, even with the losses on defense, be a playoff team. All right. Well, speaking of hot offensive teams, let's switch over to baseball and talk Ooh. about the San Francisco Giants, uh, who have been one of the best teams in baseball uh, over the past couple weeks. Since June 30th, they are 15-3, and which is the best mark in that span but more noteworthy is the fact that they lead the league in runs scored over that span by a significant margin they've scored 126 runs uh in their last 18 games the next closest team 111 the boston red sox uh over that span now Obviously, with such a hole that they dug themselves in entering play on Monday, the Giants are only 500 on the season despite that significant run. They still have a negative 42 run differential, which is fourth worst in the National League. And in fact, even though their offense has been really good uh, the past couple weeks, they still are tied for the fourth fewest runs in the NL this season. So that just kind of shows you how bad they were before this run started. But mm-hmm. now they've played themselves right into playoff contention. They're in the middle of the wild card race right now. Obviously, a lot of teams are there uh, in between them and a playoff spot. They currently are just two and a half games back of a wild card spot. But as things stand right now, the Reds, Cardinals. Oh, sorry, I'm not even looking at the right thing. They are two and a half games back, and standing in front of them in wild card spots right now are the Nats, Brewers, Cardinals, Phillies, and Diamondbacks. Not to mention that the Cubs and Braves uh, could conceivably give up their division uh, strangleholds that they have right now. So that's a lot of teams that they're going to have to beat out uh, just to get to a playoff spot. But the way they've been playing has certainly uh, inspired confidence. The front office is currently uh, held back on trade negotiations for players like Madison Bumgarner and their bullpen pieces uh, to give themselves a little bit more time before the deadline and see where they stand by July 31st. Blake, what do you think that the Giants should do? Obviously, uh, if they play well in this next week, they could be three or four games above 500. Uh, do you think that's enough to justify going for it after such an abysmal start? I don't think it is, and I, I understand the idea that 
that making uh, the postseason and having that chance, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I think given the fact that if they're looking at the way their team is set up now, they've got just over a week until the trade deadline, and they have a lot of valuable assets where they could collect on returns, I would almost like to see a reload, sit back this year, know that you have some players on this team that can really make a you know a difference, but you could also add some valuable assets while giving up some of your older players and just reload for next year because as much as teams are fighting uh, for you know these wild card spots and the division titles, we talked about just two episodes how we thought it was how it was going to be just so difficult to stop the Dodgers uh, from from making the World Series. And if I'm the Giants and I, you know, I'm looking that we've still got a, a ways to go to clinch the wild card. We need things to fall out the way that they should. Um, I would, I would take into consideration that it might be time to move on from some of our, some of our assets, unload, get some of the better prospects, maybe some even some younger, uh, start capable starters um, for for the Giants to, you know, move forward for next year. But no, I, I don't think it's really worth it this year just with how good the Dodgers have been now of course like you know we said we've talked about the Dodgers crumbling in the World Series the last few years maybe they crumble in the postseason this year before you know they make it uh to the World Series but I just think with with the fact that it's it's the Dodgers up very high and then the rest of the bunch fighting below I think that it's better for them to get the best value for their assets that they can have over the next week because you know there are going to be a lot of teams um, looking for these players as they try to make their playoff push. You could, you know, get a pretty decent uh, load for some of your prospects. You know, we talk about Bumgarner. If there's some guys in the bullpen like a Will Smith who's been great, uh, you know, you look at some of the other guys. Tony Watson, he's you know he's 34. Um, you know, Sam Dyson is 31. They've got some older relievers they could unload and get some uh, some younger uh, assets back. I just think it makes more sense to to kind of send it in this year, collect on the uh, assets that you have now, and reload for next season. All right, man. I know it's unconventional. and honestly goes against typically what I would say, uh, but I'm, I'm, you I'm buying into this, this Giants team, man. Ooh. I've been you know doing research for this podcast, and obviously the offense has been a problem this year. And I thought, okay, there's obviously going to be some holes uh, in this lineup right now, okay? But looking at how these players have hit, Obviously, it's a small sample size, but just in these 18 games that they've been going off, five players have OPSs above 900. Buster Posey, Donovan Solano, Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Slater, and Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford got off to a terrible start to the year, uh, but has been a pretty reliable shortstop in recent years. Has been a multiple-time All-Star. It's reasonable to expect him to get up to uh, normal, above-average levels that we're used to seeing out of him. Buster Posey didn't necessarily get off to a good start, but he's started to turn his season around. Brandon Belt uh, has had an above-average season in terms of OPS Plus, sitting at 108. Pablo Sandoval having a career Hmm. year at 32 years old. Uh, after being so terrible with the Red Sox before, uh, has rediscovered his career uh, with San Francisco. They have a good catching tandem with Posey and Steven Vogt. In the outfield, Alex Dickerson only played 24 games so far this year, but he's hitting 397 with a 1.258 OPS this year. Not hitting for a ton of homers, five uh, so far, but he has eight doubles and three triples as well. 
Uh, he's been a spark plug for them. That that whole outfield has just been a mixed match uh, of, of solid offensive guys during this run. Kevin Pillar is one of the best defensive center fielders. Brandon Belt good at first base. I mean, the only real glaring hole to me is Joe Panic at second base, and they've had Donovan Solano, former Marlin, uh, who's been subbing in there at second base uh, recently, and he's been playing well as well. Uh, one of those players I mentioned with a 900 plus OPS in this stretch. I'm buying in because there mm-hmm. is no hole there in the offense. The rotate or the, the bullpen, excuse me, as you mentioned, several pieces uh, that would be valuable assets for teams to acquire at the deadline. Will Smith, Sam Dyson, Mark Melanson, Tony Watson, Reyes Moranta. I mean, Trevor Gott has been pretty good. He was a, he's yeah. a nat last year. I mean, up and down, this is a good bullpen, if not one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. Now, I, I think the only thing that you really have to look at is this rotation. It's certainly not a playoff or a caliber rotation. I know they've been pitching a little bit better uh, during this stretch, but outside of Madison Bumgarner and maybe Jeff Samarja, you really aren't inspired by no. anyone in this bullpen, or sorry, in this rotation. Uh, so you're going to have to conceivably go get two starters uh, if that is uh, your intention. But I, I, you know what? Why not? At this point, if you have basically, if the lineup can continue the hot streak that it's at right now, which, you know, a, a more, you know, you see maybe one, two, three guys heating up at once. That's like, okay, it's a pretty typical. Uh, that's going to happen to every team at some point throughout the year, and you'll string together some wins. But this many guys hitting well all at once does not happen very often. Uh, and for that to happen, you have to feel like it's not all a fluke. You know, maybe one or two of those guys come back to earth. I mean, these are players who aren't typically used to uh, performing at the levels that they're producing right now. But, you know, if Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey continue to hit at the pace they have and any of those three other guys stay where they are, I mean, they're getting at least three quality above average hitters. Plus, you throw in Pablo Sandoval, who's been hitting well Mm -hmm. uh, to this point. Brandon Belt, who's been all right. I, I'm okay with this as a, a rolling forward. And there are a lot of teams that are certainly standing in the way of them uh, in terms of the wild card race. Uh, you know, all those teams I mentioned. But at, at the same time, the Phillies don't exactly inspire confidence right now. No. The Diamondbacks have been so up and down. They do have a very good run differential, so you think they might be able to get up there. Um, but the Brewers and Cardinals, nobody's been able to really pull away uh, in terms of the wild card race, in terms of that NL Central. They're just going to continue beating up on each other. You think that you probably can get up to about a 530-540 winning percentage, and at that point, you're going to be right in the middle of the playoff race and right there. Plus, not to mention, this is Bruce Bochy's last season, the future Hall of Fame manager who announced he was going to retire at the end of this season Hmm. go all in just for one last run with Bruce I mean he's one of the best playoff managers of all time Uh, you give him and Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey a chance at making another deep playoff run I'll tell you what I'm not betting against them now I like that I like the idea of of sending off the manager with one final run let's go balls to the wall but I want to ask you you know it you say that you'd have to make a trade for you you would hope for two starters um, how much would they have to get give up to get a guy like uh, you know like Marcus Stroman or some of the other pitchers available? Because what you know this was a preseason ranking, but they weren't even ranked in the uh, by MLB.com. They weren't even ranked as having one of the top ten uh, farm systems. So are there guys in the minors that you would consider? Are you going to have to give up some of your bullpen to get a starting pitcher? Like what what are the moves that you're going to have to make to to get those starters? Because like we were saying. And I completely agree with you. Outside Bumgarner and even Samarja is having a not-so-good season. I, I know uh, his most recent start, I'm trying to remember what it was, uh, did not go well at all. 
Um, but, you know, what are you going to have to – how much should you be willing to give up to get these starters if you're going to make that run? Well, I'll tell you what. Top prospect Joey Bart isn't going to be going anywhere. Right. That much is for sure. He's the, the future Buster Posey, I uh, love. the top catching prospect in all of baseball. I believe you have him in our fantasy I, league. I do. I don't, even start, I don't even start a catcher in our league. I just have him <laughs> sitting there for the day that he's going to sh- uh, come up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, overall – Obviously, the, the Giants' farm system is not great, and they brought in a new president of baseball operations this past offseason, Farhan Zaidi, who was the general manager of the Dodgers prior to this year uh, under Andrew Friedman there, considered one of the better analytical minds, uh, and thought to be willing to run the team like the Dodgers, uh, who have built up an extremely uh, deep farm system, one that they've been able to maintain despite being a winning club every year. I wouldn't be surprised for for Zaidi to go all in. Uh, well, not all in, but you know, at least make some modest additions. I'm not saying you know to go after Stroman uh, and, and try to add a, a top him. arm, but you know, give your with that bullpen, you don't need to have the best rotation. You just need to have guys that can give you six innings mm-hmm. uh, of three or four run ball, and then bridge to that bullpen where the bullpen can pick you up uh, and get those later innings locked down and keep the the run totals at a, at a, a minimum uh, for the Giants. I, you know. This offense, if it continues to produce like it has, uh, I don't think it's going to be the highest scoring offense in the league the rest of the season. Certainly not. But, you know, if they can be an above average offense and have this bullpen, I think, you know, you get two starters uh, at that Andrew Kashner level. Um, you know, I don't have a list of, of uh, you know, trade targets in front of me right now. Um, but there are certainly some starting pitchers out there that they could go after uh, who could be, you know, sizable fill-ins uh, for it to be kind of number three, four guys. I mean, you might have a team... If, if you consider Bumgarner to be a number one, which is debatable, uh, certainly, but you know, let's let's give his track record track record the benefit of the doubt, and then he turns it up in the playoffs, right? So you have one number one starter, you go with one number one, two number threes, and a number four in Jeff Samarja. That's that's not a bad rotation at all for the playoffs, mm-hmm. considering the bullpen that they have. I don't think that you can afford to give up any bullpen pieces in that situation. Uh, so you are going to have to kind of dip into the farm system where you don't have a lot. Helio Ramos, uh, their only other top 100 prospect right now. He was their t- first-round draft pick in 2017. He's ranked number 55 by MLB Pipeline right now. He's just 19 years old, an outfield prospect. He might be their best player that they can dangle, but at the same time, you don't know if they're going to want to do that, right. uh, considering the state of their farm system, like you mentioned. Uh, but some of their deeper guys, I mean, Logan Webb, Marco Luciano, Sean Higel, I can't even pronounce that <laughs> right. It's H-J-E-L-L-E, uh, however you say that. You know, yeah. Some of those guys that are near <laughs> the top uh, of their uh, farm system who might not maybe stand out, but could rein you uh, in mm-hmm. one of those lesser-known starters uh, right. that you just kind of need to give you some quality innings. Yeah, so now I guess my my question for you now is, so they make this push for the wild card, they get one of the wild card spots, they win the wild card game, and then they've got a series against the Dodgers. Now, do you think that their offense, if it rides as high as it's riding right now into the postseason, would be able to, uh, you know, rattle some of the this pitching staff uh, in Los Angeles? Do you think it's worth it to go just knowing that, you know, you're probably not going to win this series? Is, is that enough... Um, motivation for you to try and make it? Look, obviously on paper, the Dodgers are going to match up 
better than any other team mm-hmm. uh, head-to-head. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare, nightmare no matter which team you are. I mean, we're talking about the Nats uh, matching up pitcher-to-pitcher pitcher, uh, with their rotation at full strength, and it looked pretty good. But then, you know, you look at the lineup up and down, you're like, holy shit, the Dodgers are <laughs> obviously head and shoulders above where the Nats are right now. And I don't think there's a single other team that really can is in the same league as the Dodgers right now. Um, if the se- season were to end today and we had to predict who would win the World Series, it would be the Dodgers. That yeah. being said, you know, going into the playoffs, the one type of team you never want to face in the playoffs is a division rival. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly not one with the amount of postseason experience that a lot of these Giants players have. I mean, they still have plenty of players who are held over uh, from that last title run uh, back in 2014, Buster Posey, uh, Madison Bumgarner, Brandon Crawford, all of them were around at the time. You know, that's that's a deep team and one that you really don't want to be facing uh, come playoff time uh, in terms of postseason experience. Uh, you know, obviously the Dodgers have been to two World Series. They have all the postseason experience you could need other than winning the title itself, uh, mm-hmm. which might just give them more determination. Um, but that being said, you know, the, the, the playoffs, anything can happen, man. In a five-game series... You never know who's going to come out. One lucky bounce, right. uh, a bad call here or there, that could change change the entire dynamic of the series. And you know the 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 Giants have a great home crowd, uh, a very passionate fan base. You don't really want to go to an AT and T stadium and have to play uh, with that crowd booing against you. I mean, that just it, it's a tough environment to play in. And certainly, you know, they have the manager to make the kind of moves that are necessary. Uh, managing a bullpen with with that much flexibility. I mean, you look at the bullpens right now. Certainly, San Francisco's is better uh, than the Dodgers. They've had some problems there lately. Uh, they're going to need some depth, and I expect them to add at the deadline. But at the same time, you know, I just think anything can happen. And if you're if you're a front office, you know, obviously the goal is to win, right? And and you want to. Uh, win for a long time. And if you're Zaidi right now, you're looking at the Giants farm system and you're thinking, okay, we don't really have a setup where we're built to contend for a long time. But, you know, it, it brings me back to 2012 when the Nats decided to shut down Steven Strasburg uh, and not roll with him in the playoffs because he hit his innings limit after in his first season back from Tommy John. The Nats won 98 games that season. And they saw, you know, they had a young Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon was coming up. Uh, they had a great young rotation, Jordan Zimmerman. I mean, it was it was a young team that had a ton of potential and looked to be just getting started, right? Mm-hmm. The Nats get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and they have not won 98 games since that season. They just, you know, not to say that these Nats teams that have come since, you know, they won 96 and 95 games, I believe, or 97 uh, in, in a couple of their other division-winning seasons. Those, It's not to say that those teams weren't as good as that 2012 team, certainly. But, you know, nothing is guaranteed in the league. And if you look at your team and you think that you have a shot uh, of making a playoff run, then you go for it because you don't know what's going to happen. You could go like the Phillies, who went from 2011, uh, their last winning season, to now and have not gone over 500 to finish a year since. And they've gone through an entire rebuild where you think, okay, the Phillies obviously are tanking. They're going to be you know, competing in a few years. But as that rebuild went on, the players that came up, J.P. Crawford, uh, Scott Kingery right away, I mean, Kingery's playing well now, but you know, some of those guys that came up, they weren't the kind of pitcher that they were expected to be. Vince Velasquez hasn't reached his full potential. Nick Pavetta hasn't reached his full potential. You know, there, there's a lot of times where, you know, they might look back and say, you know, could that 2011 team, if we had stuck with them for a little bit longer, you know, maybe we could have made another playoff run or two. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the Giants in five years looking back and saying, man, 
we were so close to the playoffs right at the deadline and we decided to sell and we haven't made it since. You know, I, I think that's a real thing uh, and something you have to consider if you're a front office and you know, where the Giants are right now, the you know, you don't want to look at this this clubhouse and say, I know you've played well, but you yeah. know, we're gonna we're not believing in you. Because what's to say if they do the same thing again next year, uh, that the players are gonna believe the front office has their backs, that's gonna create divides. You know, you don't wanna upset stars like Buster Posey and, and Brandon Belt, guys that have been around a while who who might be around longer and say, you know, we don't believe in you. That's not the kind of message you want to send to a clubhouse that's playing their asses off right now and has certainly been one of the best teams in baseball over the past month or so. Right, yeah. I mean, listen, emotionally, it makes sense for them to go for it. You've got your manager in his final season, and he's, you know, you know, a four, or sorry, a manager of the year, three-time World Series champion. You've got some guys that are getting up there in age, like you were saying. Bumgarner has played through his years here, Buster Posey. Um, you know, like you're saying, Brandon Belt, these guys have been through it. And, and as the management of, of the team, you don't want to look to them and just say, hey, sorry. Like, I, I, I totally understand that. I guess where it would come to me, and you've slowly been convincing me to be on your side with this, um, because, <laughs> you know, it just, it, you know, you get caught up in the emotions of it. And, and when you're around people every day like that, I, I it would be tough if you had to, you know, be the um, be in the front office and tell the team, hey, you guys been doing great. I'm sorry. I The, the thing that would come to me as I'm more considering to be on your side is what are the offers for some of our players? How deep are teams going to go into their pockets to get a guy like Baumgartner or to get someone like Will Smith or, you know, a young guy or, you know, a Sam Dyson. Like, what are the what are the offers from the Yankees? What are the offers from, you know, the Red Sox? Some of these teams that are really trying to make their push. If they feel confident enough that they are one piece away and they're willing to give up a hefty amount of, of their of their farm system to get, uh, you know, one of your players and, and you're floored by the offer, I think that is when I would draw the line and I'd say, okay, we can't say no to this offer even though our team is playing extremely well right now because you also have to think about the consequence of what if this team falls back to their pre-all-star break woes um, and all of a sudden you you kept all of those guys around and you know the offers were on the table you could have traded away these pieces to get valuable assets and then you don't even end up making uh, you know a, a wild card spot because as, as much as as many teams are floating around there, there's a lot of teams floating around there. So, you know, you don't want to have regrets if you're, you know, the team and you're like, oh, we were so close, what could we have done? You also don't want to have regrets if this season just ends up being a wash, you don't even make the postseason, and you also don't have the valuable assets that you gathered in trades because of it. I get that. But at the same time, you know, we're looking at a, a front office that has shown a willingness to spend oh, yeah. money before, uh, and you can, you know, fill some of these holes in uh, the off season. They obviously just had a top draft pick last season. They're going to have another top draft pick um, next year. I'm not, I'm not super worried about it. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you want to get that. If you are going to tank, you want to get it started as soon as possible so you can be good right. again. I get that. I get that 100. percent but, you know, at the same time, like, it goes back to, like, what I said. You just don't know what the future holds. And, yes, you want to listen to all offers. And if somebody blows you away uh, for an offer for Bumgardner, that's something you're probably going to want to consider, uh, you know, if it really comes down to, you know, maybe they don't play so well in the next week or so. Uh, but what if what if they just go 7-0 this next month, this next week? 
Mm-hmm. And and we're looking at the trade deadline with them seven games over five hundred. I mean, looking just in the league, in the National League right now, there are total teams above five hundred right now. Uh, seven There's games a- above five hundred in the National League right now. You have one, the Dodgers, two, the Braves, three, the Cubs. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Three teams in the National League, seven games above 500. And obviously, you know, there might be a team or two more as this, as, you know, this next week goes on for the Nats, Brewers, or some, somehow the Phillies, uh, you know, start playing a little bit better. Sure, that, that, that could happen. But, you know, just to, to show, that just kind of shows you how close they are to really being in control of their own destiny. And yes, they need a few things to go their way. Um, but you just don't know what the future is going to hold and where they're at in the playoff spot right now. Yes, they have a minus 42 run differential. Obviously, that suggests they're going to regress. Um, they have a negative, um, oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong team. They have a four game under 500 record at home. That's never what you want to see. But I, I you know what? I'm saying go for it because it's Bruce Bochy's yeah. last year, and you don't yeah. know if you're going to get another man. You don't know if you're going to get another manager who can manage at the level Bruce Bochy can. This might be your last chance with a manager of that stature to lead a team. I mean, you look at the Nats and how uh, they've had managers that have problems in the playoffs. You, you might get the same thing with the Giants. It might become a revolving door of managers. You just don't know. Uh, there's so many things, so many unknowns that the future has. What you know right now is that the the Giants are two and a half games out of playoff position, and at that point, you've got to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I listen. I I agree. You've pulled me in with the, the emotions. I don't like that. You're messing with my emotions. I'm not supposed to have feelings. <laughs> I'm getting in your head, Blake. Yeah, you're getting in my head with all these emotions. I feel like I'm going to cry now, but. I understand the emotional impact, and you want to send this. Uh, you want to send your manager off the right way. You don't want to say, "Hey, listen, sorry, you're just gonna have to suck it up and spend, you know, the rest of your the the last weeks, months of your uh, managing career, you know, as, as a as we're not going for it. You just you're you're gonna throw in uh, throw in the towel. But oh, I guess I guess I I see where you're coming from emotionally, but. I do think that it would be smart to sell. Sure. Speaking That's of smart, let's talk about the Wizards. Except <laughs> they really haven't They're been smart. Not... <laughs> you like that segue? Yeah, that was great. That's great. You're really good at the segues today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for key words uh, out there. And, and, of course, smart and Wizards just go together yeah. so well. Um, in case you haven't heard, uh, the Wizards announced... Uh, was it today they made it official? Yes. Uh, I believe it was today uh, that Tommy Shepard uh, will be taking over as the general manager of Washington. Uh, he has been the interim GM since the team fired for, fired former GM Ernie Grunfeld uh, right at the end of the season last year. They have been interviewing a few people. Uh, Connolly over from the uh, Nuggets was the most prominent uh guy that they brought in he ended up turning down the job and actually said you guys should be hiring Tommy Shepard as the GM and that's what he does and the Wizards are taking an unconventional approach uh they're divvying up their front office into several different um I guess divisions they're not going to have a president of basketball operations instead they're they're breaking it up with several different guys running different parts uh, of that front office with Tommy Shepard dealing with basketball ops uh, in terms of making trades and managing the roster that sort of thing it's and the, uh, as part of his his vision oh sorry go ahead it's the Game of Thrones move 
We're going to have a council. We're going to have a small council. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, almost lost me there for a minute, Blake. I, yeah. <laughs> I put Game of Thrones out of my head so much, and ever since, you know, that terrible last season, I just haven't oh, yeah. wanted to think about it. But the small of course, council. Now you're sending me all these flashbacks. Of course. Um, anyway, as part of, of their future that they're planning, or I guess they're, they're hoping for a two- to three-year retool uh, before uh, competing again. That's what I read in The Athletic earlier today. They are offering or plan to offer guard Bradley Beal a three-year, $111 million maximum contract extension. Uh, He'll be eligible for that on Friday. Reports have not shown whether or not Beal will take it. Uh, He already is under contract for the next two years, so the three years will be added on top of that. But Blake, with the direction of the Wizards and how they've gone, do you think it's smart for Beal to A, ride out these next two years, and B, consider an extension uh, for anything beyond that. Uh, I think it is smart of him to ride out these last two years. I am in the field that you should not take this uh, contract extension because if you did, if you were to take this three-year extension, you're putting faith that this new group of, of basketball minds are going to fix things uh, You know, over the next five years where you're not going to be dis- you know, this franchise that... Uh, is probably one of the more mo- the one of the least exciting franchises in the NBA right now. Uh, you also have to consider that you have John Wall's massive contract, which is I will go out and say I think it's it's worse than the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook. It is the worst contract in the NBA. Um, so that also you know affects how much money you can uh, bring in with free agents. Um, of course, you could go through the draft and, and rebuild through that, but I think this is not even just a Bradley Beal thing. I think it's an NBA star thing. I would never hold yourself to a deal for more than two two years at a time, or three years at a time even, if you want to go that far. And we saw you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George took two-year deals with a third-year player option. Uh, player mobility is at an all-time high because you're never certain... Players, um, you know, if, if you agree to a long-term contract, you could be traded to a destination halfway through that you didn't even want to, you know, be a part of, and then you're stuck, you're Chris Paul stuck in Oklahoma City to finish out your contract because you can't be traded anywhere else. Um, so I think for Bradley Beal, I'd play out these two years, I'd ball out, and then if I think that the, the franchise is moving in a positive direction, then I re-up for that big extension. But I wouldn't agree to anything now, just given where the dysfunction of the franchise seems. I want them to prove to me that I should stick around for three more years. I don't want to just blindly put my faith and tie myself with this franchise for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm Beal, I'm asking for a trade right now. I would have hmm. been doing it at the start of the offseason. Uh, just where the fact that it took the Wizards this long to figure out what they wanted to do with their front office, and they were very ambiguous about it. Ted Leon's just the owner, uh, coming out now saying that they were giving Tommy Shepard the chance to, to run things kind of as a tryout almost. They wanted to see how he operated with the draft and with free agency and the kind of moves that he made to see if he was a chip off the old block and Ernie Grunfeld to see if he took any risks, uh, and, and you know, made any trades. And, and he certainly, did well uh, so far. I'm, I, some people are a little confused at how the Wizards have been operating this offseason. And to me, <laughs> it says that they aim, they actually aim to compete when Wall comes back, um, which I think is is kind of a, a high aspirations. I mean, I get that the East is weak. Um, but, you know, we've seen time and time again with teams who, you know, think that uh, making it into the playoffs as a 6-7-8 seed uh, and losing in the first round is an acceptable route. That certainly is not 
what you need to be doing if you're the Wizards. I mean, you're at the kind of point where uh, if you try to do that, um, you're just going to be running Bradley Beal out of town. You're going to be unable to attract any star free agents. It's just a bad situation. Um, so if you do trade Beal, I mean, you're going to have to wait until the season at this point because of most teams have their rosters set. Um, and I could see him being a, a mid-season move once uh, those guys that signed this offseason are able to be traded. I believe that's sometime in October. Um, you know, at that point, maybe you, you see what you can recoup for him. Um, but I'm honestly, at this point, I'm surprised that Beal hasn't asked for a trade, that we've heard no indication of that. And that tells me that he actually might consider this extension, um, which, I mean, maybe he just likes being the guy. I mean, you know, we saw with Jimmy Butler going to Miami. Um, you know, I, I think Jimmy Butler just wanted to be Jimmy Butler. Uh, and, and he didn't necessarily care uh, that he was on a, a team that was considered a marquee contender, um, you know. He was out of there in Philly, uh, and it's Philly certainly wanted him back. They they engaged in negotiations uh, to bring him back on the max deal. He had nothing of it. Wanted to go Miami, where he'd have more flexibility, more just the ability to be himself on the court. Uh, and the Wizards are, are you know just talking in his ear right now, saying, "Brad, you know if we build around you, you'll be able to." have your game exactly the way you want to. They put him in the draft room uh, for the draft this year, uh, had him, I don't want to say they were consulting with him, um, but at the same time, you know, making him a part of that process shows him how important he is to the franchise. They want to build around him. They want to have him in DC for as long as possible. And look, you know, as, as a Wizards fan, I would be happy to see Bradley Beal extended mm-hmm. uh, because I love I love watching Beal play. He's been a, an astounding shooter, still, I believe, just 23 years old right now. I mean, you know, sorry, 26, 26 what am I saying? Yeah. 26 years old. Um, it seems like he's just been young for forever, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the fact that he's 26 now is crazy to me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, he's been so much fun to watch. I, I would want to see him and Wall uh, get back to their old ways if Wall can come back to the kind of player that he was or, or some semblance of that player but at the same time you know if, if I were to take my emotions away from it, it just seems like trading Beal seems to be the smart move you know this isn't like with the Giants that we were just talking about in Major League Baseball where the Giants are you know within shouting distance of a playoff run uh, and, and in Major League Baseball anything can happen in the playoffs you know in a five-game series more often than not you know the, the better team will win but in in the NBA it's almost a given uh, that the better team is going to come through and in, in a uh, you know, playoff series, no matter which round you're in, we hardly ever see major upsets, um, like a, a seven seed over a two seed or, or even a six seed over a three seed. It just doesn't really happen. Uh, last year, we saw all but one of the top four seeds in either conference make it uh, to the conference finals. I mean, that just kind of shows you what the state of the league is at right now. Um and the, the Wizards, if they do sneak into the playoffs in two years as a seventh seed, I don't see them making any kind of deep playoff run. Um, maybe, you know, the, they're, they're preaching depth right now. And, and maybe you have Wall and Beal as your two high-paid guys, and then you have a bunch of dudes who, you know, aren't signed to max contracts, but uh, you get a couple of depth guys and you build, flesh out your roster uh, and you try to make it a little, like, a better bench and that kind of thing. I get it. Uh, and maybe maybe you can be a better team if you have some things swing your way, but it's a big risk. Uh, I feel like the, the smaller risk here is to trade Beal, recoup those assets, and get a couple of young studs in there uh, to really build your team around. Yeah, you know, the the, the 
I, I completely agree with you. As a, as a Wizards fan, I would much rather see Bradley Beal stay around. Um, I guess if I'm looking for the prime time to trade him, if that's the move, and Bradley Beal can say if he wants to stay or if he wants to go, whatever it is, uh, I hope he doesn't accept the contract extension when it can uh, be offered to him on Friday because I think that just tying yourself down with one team for too long has proven to have its negative effects. If you keep the if you keep the front office on their toes and you say no 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 I'm only going to sign two years or three years at a time, it keeps the franchise you know feeling the pressure of the management's like okay we got to do whatever we can to keep this guy around. So you know beyond that. Um, you know the the biggest problem is is that if you're hoping to tie in and you're hoping to contend when John Wall gets back, um, the problem is is that you know say he sits all of next year, he comes back in tw- the 2020 2021 season. Um, I think that's still another year, like we say, it's my staple to say. Uh, you know, after you spend a couple years off the court with an injury, you need a full season to kind of get back to where you are. So then we're going to get to the 2021-22 season where you think, okay, John Wall is going to be back to playing at the level that we had once expected him to. But at that point, he's also 31 years old. And as history has gone to show, like with running backs in the NFL, if you're a, a shorter, smaller point guard, uh, once you hit that 31-32 age season, um, you start to hit a decline. And I think the only two people that have stood the test of time have been John Stockton and, ooh, I can't remember the other one. Uh, it's slipping my mind right now. Um, but it, it, history has shown that a point guard over the age of 31-32 that relies on athleticism and, um, and, and you know, their legs, and then you take into account that John Wall has seen his fair share of injuries, um, I don't think that it's something that you can contend around. Uh, and the problem is is that you're tied in with John Wall through the 2023 season. Uh, news flashed all you Wizards fans that might not realize this. John Wall is 150% going to accept that $47 million player option uh, at the age of 32. Um, so you're tied with Wall until he's 33. Um, and at that point, Bradley Beal, if he accepted that three-year uh, contract extension, let me just make sure I'm getting this right. Let me pull up his deal. Uh, he would be, uh, let me see. Uh, around the age of 30 and then at that point you're hopefully you've built up the depth but you're going to lose John Wall I, I, I mean unless he somehow stuns me and you bring him back I just don't think it's the right recipe I think what you kind of have to go through is swallow uh, the fact that you're going to have to ride through this John Wall contract maybe he can give you some uh, some stuff uh, later on but I think like you're saying build build assets fill out that depth draft well um, and, and then move Beal maybe at the trade deadline. But if, if you do decide to keep him throughout the rest of his deal, um, I don't know if you'd be able to show him enough that uh, you know he'd be willing to stay past his current deal. And honestly, even if Beal does want to stay with the team long term, if, if that is something that he wants to do, he wants to be a wizard for life, then why not wait until next offseason? Because if he earns all NBA status this next year, which oh, yeah. you could argue he was one of the biggest snubs uh, in the NBA last year of not getting all NBA honors. He was just on the bubble of the third team. Him and Clay Thompson seemed like the two guys who were right there uh, were definitely in, in conversation for one of those slots. If he gets that next year, he's eligible for a five-year, $250 million uh, Supermax extension. Sorry, $254 million. Can't forget that $4 million. Uh, Supermax extension um, if he earns all NBA status next year. So 
if I'm him, you know, and I do want to stay with the team, why not give it a year? See if you get make all NBA status and then try to negotiate a contract from there. I mean, I don't think the Wizards would be willing to be given that full Supermax. They'd probably have to find him somewhere uh, around the $200 million range if they really wanted to make it work, considering uh, how much Wall is paid uh, throughout the extent of that contract. But at the same time, that's a lot more than $155 million that he'd be looking at right now, plus more years uh, that right. he would be locked in. So uh, if I'm Beal, that's that's what I'm thinking about doing. Uh, if I really do want to stay for the Wizards, um, and sure, maybe you know because he's been so involved in the process and Tommy Shepard has been talking to him and Ted Leonsis, the two of them have been really involved uh, in, in staying up to date with Beal. Maybe they have him convinced that you know he... Uh, is going to be the guy in D.C. and a legend. And, you know, D.C. fans would love him forever if he signed that extension, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You know, he would be giving up something significant if he were to leave. But, you know, at the end of the day, players are remembered for the rings that they win. Um, and if Bradley Beal does not want to be one of those guys who never win, wins a ring in his career, yeah. uh, and I certainly don't want that for him, can the Wizards do it? I, I don't know. They have a whole new... Um, uh, you know, approach to running a basketball organization, and we'll see if it pays off. It's certainly uh, a breath of fresh air compared to what we've been used to seeing with Ernie Grunfeld controlling everything. He was, it was a long time coming of, of him being fired. Uh, thank God that they finally did let him go. Um, but, you know, I, I just, he's got to believe in the Wizards' future. And as an outsider, I don't. Um, but that's, I, you know, he has a lot yeah. more information than me. That's up to him. Um, but if I were him right now, I would. I would be demanding a trade uh, by the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I think that for now, like we were saying, it's kind of like Chris Paul. I mean, his deal is a little bit easier to move, but 40% of the league can't be traded right now because of their new contracts. So I think it's, what, a December 15th deadline where all of these players that just signed their deals can finally be traded. So I think that if you are to trade now as compared to trading at the deadline, I feel like a trade right at the deadline would be max value right now for Bradley Beal. Maybe he balls out to start the season, makes another all-star appearance. Maybe he's an all-star starter for the Eastern Conference. Um, and then you really ramp up the value. And if there's a team, I'm trying to think, really, who would pop off the top of my head as a destination for him. Um, God, you know, I'm not sure if it would come through the West, what other packages. But there certainly might be something on the offer. You know, we, you could consider the New Orleans Pelicans. Maybe if they start off hotter than they expected to be, uh, that could be a fun destination to put it the wing alongside Lonzo Ball running the point uh, with Zion down there. But certainly, you know, if you know for some reason if Beal wants to stay uh, through his current deal and maybe try and maximize. But yeah, the first thing I would do is I wouldn't accept the offer today, and then I would try and see. Uh, I guess by the middle of the season, if this is something I want to commit to for the rest of my deal, or if I want to, uh, if I want to sit tight and, and uh, maybe jump ship. <coughs> we'll see what happens, man. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the Wizards, yeah. you know, obviously not a team that have been in the spotlight this off season, but as long as Beal is on that roster, the Wizards are going to be at least somewhat relevant, just because right. people are going to be interested to see where he goes. So. That is probably the most intriguing storyline uh, for the Wizards this season. That and uh, how Rui Hachimura comes out of the gate. Uh, he had one of the uh, better summer leagues, yeah. quietly, uh, mm-hmm. of any player. I'm very excited for him, although he just needs to show some signs of life on defense. I'll tell you what, he had a decent amount of blocks, but other than that, really wasn't showing up on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, oh. what kind of development he has and if Scott Brooks can you know, stay a relevant uh, coach yeah. in the NBA. Well, and you also forgot Sashi Brown. 
former Browns general manager being hired as the chief planning yes. and operations officer. That's crazy. Yes, and they brought a guy from the 76ers to manage the, the health or performance Dude. or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's a it's quite the, the Quite the group there. that they, they've got up there. And, and and dude, the word process was mentioned in their pressers today. So uh, we'll see uh, what exactly is coming with the Wizards. Jesus. But I'm I'm skeptical. I'll leave it at that. I mean, oh, Ted Leonsis yeah. also owns the Caps, uh, and he's actually been an amazing owner with the Capitals and uh, what they've done. Over the, obviously, they won the Stanley Cup. You know, he just has it. Ha- kind of had the same approach with the Wizards, but he said he let the Wizards fan base down. He's going to be better. So you know what, Ted. Show me it. You yeah, know, he said the same thing about Tommy Shepard. Don't say it, show it. I'm yeah. telling you the same thing, Ted. You can't say it, you got to show it. We'll see what the Wizards do moving forward. All right, that's going to wrap up our show today. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to uh, subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. You can do so uh, in the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes on your computer. Uh, don't forget also to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Wyrick FBB, where you can find my our latest articles for Federal Baseball, the SB Nation Nats blog. Go on over to Blake's Twitter as well, at Blake Andrew Pace, uh, where he writes about the Colts for Stampede Blue and Syracuse's SB Nation blog. Blake, any final good word? Any final words for the good people? Uh, thanks for being good people. Keep on listening. We got some fun, exciting stuff. I hope you all have been bearing well through these down weeks of sports, but I am so excited for football to be back and for, you know, us to put out some great content for that. And then shortly after that, we get to basketball season, man. So, uh, exciting times are ahead and I'm looking forward to getting into it. That's right. We're putting together a plan for NFL previews for you all. So stay tuned for that, uh, in the coming weeks. Should be starting up soon. Like we said, training camp, man. This weekend, oh, yeah. it's here. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are going to be the first team to report. And from there, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening and have a good one.